Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Praying Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Praying Medic. Now let's jump into this week's show. Honey, you don't have to have your makeup on to look beautiful. You're naturally beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as Joe Cocker said, you're beautiful to me. (laughs) (laughs) You are so beautiful. She is the singer in the family, not me. Hey, it's Praying Medic and Praying Medic's wife. Thanks for joining us on another podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's been a few weeks since we did a podcast. Yeah. We could be lounging on the chairs up by the pool right now. We could. Nice it's beautiful weather. out there today. It's gorgeous. But we're inside. We're, we're podcasting. And we're going to be talking about something that got stirred up uh, when we listened to uh, Steve Harmon podcast yesterday. We're going to be talking about fear and a lot of other things, mm-hmm. but mostly the issue of fear. Because it's something that's been coming up in my uh, prayer requests a lot lately. I've been receiving a lot of prayer requests over the last month. And I'm seeing some recurring themes in the prayer requests. Um, I get quite a few emails from people who have anxiety attacks, who have panic attacks, who seem to be overcome by fear. A lot of those people also have chronic pain. They have things like fibromyalgia. Some of them have asthma. We talked a couple of weeks ago on the podcast with Faith Living about fear and how we believe fear is a spirit that uh, tries to influence and attack us. And one of the best ways to overcome fear is to simply resist it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in this message is how to resist uh, things like fear and anxiety and why we need to resist them. Because if you don't resist them, some not so good things happen. Well, it seems like you're just wide open for all sorts of fear. I mean, it's fear of all kinds of things. Right. There are so many things you can fear. Mm -hmm. Um, Fear that you're not going to have enough money to pay the bills. Fear that you're going to lose your job. Fear that your kids are going to become hooked on drugs. Fear of getting into relationships because you might, it might not work out. All sorts of things. Yeah. And that actually provides a good segue for our Bible verse. Okay, we have a Bible verse. We have a bunch of Bible verses. <laughs> this is an unusual podcast because I'm going to dig into the scriptures here and do a little bit of teaching. I wanted to go to Job chapter 1 and look at the interaction with Job and Satan and God because one of the things I'm always running into, particularly in the realm of healing, when someone isn't healed, they always want to bring up Job. Well, mm-hmm. what about Job? Yeah. Oh, you hear that all the time. Maybe it's not God's will to heal people. You know, maybe God just needs us to suffer and be in sick. Uh, and we're being and be tested. And, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you better so, give the backstory. The, the backstory. The sons of God are coming to and fro in heaven. And it says Satan was with them. So Satan and the Lord have a little conversation. And the Lord said to Satan, hey, have you considered my servant Job? 
that there is none like him on the earth. He's blameless, he's upright, he fears me, and he shuns evil. Satan answered and said, Does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions, and you've increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand again and touch all that he has, and he'll surely curse you to his face. So Satan makes a couple of observations, one of which is he made the observation that the hand of God was protecting Job. He said, you've made a hedge around Mm -hmm. him. I can't attack him because you've made a hedge around him and you've protected him. And as long as that hedge of protection is there, I can't do anything against him. Mm -hmm. So Satan is trying to get God to smite Job because Satan's looking at it as if, okay, God, you've protected this guy. He's inside your fortress. I want you to attack him. Mm. But see, God doesn't say, I'm going to attack him. Right. God says to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not touch his body. So you can't make him sick, but you can take all of his stuff. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord. And in the next, you know, I don't know, 10 verses, Satan goes and just destroys his whole life, kills his children, kills his workers. Chaldeans come and they destroy his his farm and they take his camels and his cattle. A windstorm comes, blows down his house, kills his family. And that was a bad time. Oh, and it's really interesting because I never really thought, focused on this. It, <laughs> this is crazy. In verse 16, it says, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and his servants. Okay, so this is like what, remember when uh, Elijah calling down fire from heaven mm-hmm. and killing the mm-hmm. his enemies. Uh, James and John wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to call fire down from heaven. And Jesus told them, you do not know what spirit you are of. Mm-hmm. You do not want to be calling down fire from heaven because it will come down, but it's not the Father who sends it. Anyway, so Job's life falls apart. Then in chapter two, Satan comes back and the Lord says, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yes, I have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I've done everything I can to destroy him and he still won't curse you. But he has another plan. He's like, hey, wait a minute. You didn't let me make him sick yet. Let me make him sick. And because... Surely then. Yes, because a man will give anything for his life. Mm -hmm. So the Lord again says, behold, he is in your hand. Yeah, that's that's something that we don't think of. Nobody talks about that. God doesn't say, okay, I'll make him sick. God says, he is in your control now. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, God didn't say, I'm lifting my hedge of protection. Mm-hmm. God didn't say, I'm going to allow you to go after him. God simply says, he's in your hand. What he, I think what God was telling Satan was something that he didn't know. I think God was telling Satan, he is already in your hand. You have access to him. You go find out how you have access to him. And if you think you can make him sick, go ahead. So Job becomes sick. There's an interesting commentary at the end of the next chapter, which is chapter three. Job is wailing and lamenting the day of his birth. He says, you know, why was I born? Why didn't I die? My life is miserable. You know, everything's been taken from me. Mm -hmm. And then he says this in verse 25, chapter three, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. 
That which I dreaded has happened to me. Fear and dread. Fear and dread. Right. So what was going on in Job's mind? Well, Job was a wealthy man. He had had it all. He had a huge family. He had everything. He was like Donald Trump. I mean, he had it all. He was one of the wealthiest men on the earth at the time. What do people with a lot of possessions and wealth often do? They fear losing it. Mm -hmm. And Job feared losing all of his stuff and his family. And that, that's the thing that allowed the enemy to go after him was the fear. Because, as Steve Harmon pointed out in the podcast the other day, when we are walking with God and we get to know him, we have to... Uh, apprehend certain principles about our walk with God. And the first thing you have to understand about walking with God is your walk is a walk of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. And fear is the opposite of faith. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom that operates by faith. When you want someone to be healed, it requires faith. When you prophesy over somebody, you prophesy by faith. Mm -hmm. When you step out of the boat onto the waves... You do it by faith. Right. Everything we do is, is done by faith. The just shall live by faith. But see here, Job was fearful mm-hmm. and he was dreading the one thing. And that was, I'm going to lose all this stuff. Maybe God can't protect me. Maybe God is going to allow something to happen. Maybe I'm going to lose all this stuff. And he says, "What that which I feared most has come upon me. So it's a self-fulfilling Well, it is. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because we know that the state of your mind Mm -hmm. and the way you view your life and the way you view the world and the way you view others, uh, as Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As we think of ourselves and the things we meditate on, the things that we think of and the things that we expect and the things we anticipate tend to become a reality that we live with. And if you are prone to fear and anxiety and worry and dread, you are giving the enemy a place to bring that stuff to pass because you're mm-hmm. living from a place of fear. Giving and that a foothold. empowers, you're, you're mm-hmm. giving the enemy a foothold, That's which is what it says mm-hmm. in Ephesians 4. Uh, verses 26 and 27, Paul's talking about a lot of different things that we should and shouldn't do. One of them is, he says, do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil uh, a foothold or an opportunity in the NASB. And the word there is actually means, do not give the enemy an opportunity or power or an occasion to act upon you. Mm. See, what we do when we let uh, spirits of anger and fear and suicide and all these other spirits when we allow them to influence us and we don't resist them and we don't resist them Mm -hmm. we give them an opportunity an occasion to act in our life and to bring disaster yeah for sure you and i were talking last night about how the enemy comes and gets into our life And I see our life as something like a house. Actually, that's the analogy Jesus used, which I'll explain in just a little bit. But I believe that God has given us dominion, and he's given us authority, and he's given us power. And unfortunately for a lot of people who really 
sincerely believe that God is in control of everything. I do not believe God is in control of everything. I don't either. You know, it's very clear in the Gospels. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. And then he said to his disciples, I give give you you authority over all the power of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was given authority over the dominion of the earth. And then he passed that authority onto us. us. He has delegated authority to us, which means we are responsible for protecting our lives, for protecting our sphere of influence, for protecting people in our family, for protecting our friends. We are responsible. You know, I got this prayer request from a gal the other day, and she asked me to pray for a relative to be healed. And I said, and this relative was terminal, was about to die in a few days. And I sent back a message saying that I'm praying. And I got a reply saying, well, I guess God decided that it's time for her to die. Mm. And so the relative died. See, that response to me reveals a person who thinks that God is up there in heaven deciding who lives and who dies. Yeah, it's... And he isn't. He is not deciding who lives and who dies on a daily basis. We are deciding who lives and who dies. Yeah, and more people turn away from God for that very reason well, your than mom, almost anything else. Your, your mom is, you know, she had that issue because her sister died and she felt like God decided, you know, he spun the little wheel. And, and let her it, die a torturous, said, oh, painful for, death. Time for a six-year-old girl to die. Slow death, yeah. Right, and that was, that was God's choice. But and, the thing is, we are taught this in church. We right. are taught in many churches at least when I became a believer and started going, they teach you that, well, God must have wanted her or God was protecting her from something that was going to happen in her future by taking her out. Well, why did she have to die a painful death? Why did she have to die a suffering death? In the the New Testament, in John 10.10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. Mm -hmm. The enemy, the thief, comes to steal, steal, kill, kill, and destroy. And And in Job, in the book of Job, in the first two chapters, you can see who's responsible for sickness and death. It's not God. It's Satan. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Old Testament, they didn't have an understanding of demons and Satan. Moses never wrote about Satan. Moses Mm -hmm. didn't write about demons and the powers and principalities. None of that stuff was really on the radar for the Old Testament uh, prophets. It's only in the New Testament. And so to them, it looked like God was doing all this stuff. To them, it looked like the hand of God killing people and destroying things. Because and God had the power. F- they thought, you know, the, here's the power. <laughs> right. That's where all power Every, is. Everything is coming from God, and there mm-hmm. is no uh, opposition to what God is doing. It's all God. Uh, they believed God was responsible for all of it. In the, because of the New Testament, we see the kingdom of darkness. We see the principalities and powers. Because Jesus taught Because Jesus it. and Paul and Peter and James, the New Testament writers revealed the kingdom of darkness that the Old Testament prophets didn't know about. So we have access to revelation they didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wise to look at the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament and look at things mm-hmm. and go, okay, well... And Jesus you know. said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So right. he's an example Right. Who the so Father is. We have a little more understanding of the nature of God today mm-hmm. compared to what they knew 3,000 years ago. 
still in, in the church, there are a lot of people who still believe everything that happens is God. It's all God's will. Yeah. Like you know? he'll heal one person, but he won't heal someone else. And the suffering is meant to cause them to grow or the suffering something like that. I, I don't disagree with the idea that some forms of pain and suffering can teach us lessons. They can. Yeah. Can. But I do not agree with the idea that, that sickness is given to us to teach us things. Because right. in, in the Gospels, Jesus healed everybody who asked for it. He healed entire villages. He healed entire households. Anyone who needed healing was healed. Jesus didn't come to people and say, well, you need to remain sick because you're learning a lesson. Sorry. Difficult circumstances can teach us lessons, but I believe healing is not given to us to teach us a lesson. So if we've been given dominion and we've been given authority, that means we have responsibility. And as I was saying earlier, I believe I see our situation as something like having owning a house. We have a responsibility to keep our house secure. If we do not keep our home secure, burglars can break in. They can steal our stuff. It's our responsibility to lock the windows, lock the doors, especially when we leave. It's our responsibility to lock up our car. If we keep our house secure, it prevents or at least deters burglars from mm-hmm. breaking in and stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. If you leave your doors and windows open, if you leave your car door unlocked, you are allowing an opportunity for a thief to come and break in. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that we give the thief legal rights. I would say if we don't do the best that we can to keep our life, our body, our spirit, and soul under the protection of God, we give the enemy an opportunity to come and attack us. And I think that's what Job did. See, Job was hedged in. He had a hedge of protection around him, but he walked out from the hedge of protection when he walked in fear. Mm -hmm. When he lived in fear and anxiety over losing his stuff, he was coming out from under the hedge of protection and he was walking around in the enemy's territory, which is why I think God said, he's in your hand because mm. he is living in fear. He is already, yeah, he, he walked knows, out He under. knows he's, he, I'm sure Job knew he was supposed to walk by faith, but over that one issue, he had fear and dread and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing, I think, that allowed the enemy to attack him. And I think we have the same thing. How many times in the Bible... Does the Lord say, do not fear, (laughs) do not be anxious for anything, be of good courage, be brave and very courageous. It's really repeated and emphasized over and over and over in the Bible. We are told, do not be afraid. Every time an angel shows up and talks to somebody (laughs) in the Bible, what's the first thing the angel says? Do not be afraid. Yeah. Right. Because why? Because we're fearful people. Whenever we see something that's scary, we're like, oh, God, what is that? Yeah. You know? So so would you say that as much as sin gives uh, the enemy a foothold, fear does fear the same does thing? Too. Being fearful and being unbelieving is not a good thing. The reason why God tells us over and over again not to be fearful and not to be anxious and not to be worried, it's not just because he wants to be a taskmaster and he wants us to somehow muster up all kinds of strength and faith. It's because if we are walking in fear and doubt, we are giving the enemy plenty of opportunity to come and attack us. Mm -hmm. 
And that includes diseases. I think things like asthma, uh, fibromyalgia, I suspect uh, probably autoimmune diseases. A lot of them are tied into fear and anxiety because when I get these prayer requests from people, I see the same things over and over again. Chronic pain, fear, anxiety. Even, um, well, when we were reading Joan Hunter's book, Healing the Whole Man, you know, she talks about those types of illnesses being caused by trauma or something like that. But then even secular doctors are saying, in fact, I was just researching this the other day, and they're saying get rid of emotional wounds from your past right? in order to get over, to help you get over these types of autoimmune diseases because they see the connection. And that's where we get into healing fragments and altars and getting them integrated. Right. So on a practical, are we going to talk about the practical ways to get rid of fear? I mean, one of the things is recognize where it comes from. Right. Well, part of it is recognizing that God is not going to sovereignly take away your fear and anxiety. I get prayer requests all the time. Mm -hmm. People say, would you please pray that God would take away my fear and anxiety? And I just want to tell them, look, God is not going to turn you into a robot. Mm-hmm. He is not going to sovereignly... Just instantly make you happy and well-adjusted. <laughs> right. He's not going to do that. <laughs> he, he cannot instantaneously remove your fear and anxiety and worry. He can't. He's not going to do that because fear and anxiety and worry, as much as I believe they are spirits that are trying to create an effect on us, when we succumb to them, we're making a choice. We are choosing to allow fear and anxiety and worry. And it's a choice we make and God is not going to overrule our free will. If Mm -hmm. we choose to react to something in fear, God is going to allow us to act however we want to react. If we choose to stand up against it and resist it and say, not this time, buddy, I am not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be anxious. You see, it's a lot of it is programming in our mind. Yes. Now, We know that people who have suffered emotional trauma react because of the way that they're programmed. We all react because of how we're programmed. I get up in the morning and I make coffee every day because that's how I'm programmed. My brain has been programmed to make coffee every morning. Yes. (laughs) It's an automatic thing that I just do. Can't stop that. I don't have to even think about it. It's just programmed into me. Well, a lot of people have been programmed to react to situations like with their finances or with uh, when they get into an argument with a husband or wife, they're programmed to react out of anger or fear. And we have to somehow find a way to break Break that that programming, Mm -hmm. break the cycle and start responding and reacting differently. Instead of reacting out of anger, fear or rejection, which is what a lot of people do Mm -hmm. whenever they have any kind of falling out with someone or disagreement, they sense rejection, a fear they're going to be rejected. And that's a, cho- that's a choice. I mean, it doesn't feel like we're making a choice. It feels like an automatic reaction, but we're actually making a choice to react in fear or anger or whatever. And I think the key to being healed uh, of those issues is to slow down for a second. Think about the situation And think about what God has said about us or that situation. 
and if he has told us, look, I want you to respond to this person in love and kindness, and our brain says, I just want to throat punch them, and the Holy Spirit's saying, you can throat punch them next week, but right now I want you to react in love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's another thing I just want to bring up. How many times have we heard people who got a doctor's diagnosis of something like MS, and and they actually turned it around. They put up Bible verses all over their house of all the healing scriptures. Yep. They decided they are going to change their mind. They are not going to agree with that diagnosis necessarily. Yep. I mean, yeah, they might go along with their doctor's advice for a while, but meanwhile, they are filling themselves with the opposite. They're filling themselves with faith. Right. They are doing Instead exercises of Instead of succumbing to the fear. I... <laughs> I received and this. they get healed doing that. I, I know they do. I know. We, that Wendy Moore Something. got healed of Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes. And I think, I suspect, the reason why she got healed was because she absolutely, adamantly refused to accept that as her identity. Mm-hmm. She took the sticky notes. She wrote healing Bible verses, put them up all over the inside of her house. And she just built a fortress, literally built a fortress of the Word of God around her life and decided, I am going to beat this thing. I am not going to accept it. And yeah. within so, within three years, I mean, for a year and a half, uh, the symptoms progressed, and she got worse and weaker, and then it reversed, and she eventually got healed. I think every time you feel that fear come up, and you rec- if you can recognize, okay, this is fear coming on me, that you, you could counteract that with the Bible or with, you can surround yourself with healing testimonies. I right. mean, we've right. done that in our lives. Absolutely. If you saturate yourself with the fact that you know God is healing people out there in if, the world if today. If I had not watched a lot of healing on video and healing testimonies, I probably would still be struggling to see people healed. There's, and there's so much great stuff online now that you, you have access to that we didn't have access to years ago. And you know? when people get the diagnosis regardless of what it is, your initial reaction, I think, tends to set you off in a trajectory that's either going to end you up in negative territory or positive territory. Like, I got this email from a woman uh, a couple weeks ago, and she said, I just received a diagnosis of, I forget what it was, and she said, I'm standing in faith, I'm believing God's going to heal me. Okay, that was those are her first two sentences. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in faith, and I'm believing God's going to heal me. And the next four or five sentences were something to the effect of, I just can't imagine going down this road of uh, being disabled. Uh, I'm thinking about what it's going to be like in a nursing home. I'm thinking about what it's going to be like to lose my property. I'm thinking about what my family's going to have to go through when I lose my money and they're yes. going to have to take care of me. I can't imagine the horror I'm going to suffer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Her first two sentences, she was, pr- she was saying what she was programmed to say, everyone has to say, oh, I'm standing in faith and I'm just believing for this. Yeah. And then she starts going on and on and on about all the bad things that she's envisioning are going to happen to her. Yeah. Now, so there you go. That That's is being the... double minded. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to say it. It's having a mind where you know you're responsible to respond in faith and be courageous. And at the same time, you are allowing the enemy to bombard your mind with negative thoughts and fears and anxieties and worries about the future. 
and you are walking into the enemy's trap when you do that. Yeah, and it's so normal, I think, for people to do that. It's like your natural reaction, but that's why I think you need to be so deliberate to counteract it. Like you, you have really to have be. to be aware. It's it's almost human nature to think about the negative and dwell on the negative aspects, but it is absolutely destructive. You have mm-hmm. to you have to be very intentional about thinking the right things, thinking uh, the positive things, believing and anticipating and expecting that God is going to give you the breakthrough and he's going to give you the miracle and he's going to meet your needs and he's going to provide. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. If you have negative internal self, your self-talk, your dialogue in your head is negative, a lot of that is demonic stuff. If you have a lot of negative people around you, who Who are telling you this is what's going to happen. They're they're more than welcome to throw the pity party for you. Mm -hmm. And you can sit there and whine and cry all day long about how bad stuff is going to be. That does not help. You have to surround yourself with positive people, I think. Yeah. People of faith. People who can help you reverse direction and get out of the trap that the enemy wants you to walk into. Because that's really what it is. So I wanted to shift gears a little Mm -hmm. bit and talk about when we get a visitation by the spirit of fear or a spirit of suicide or a spirit of depression. There are a lot of people who are going to want to turn this off and go, oh, so now there's demons under every bush and everything. The devil makes us do everything. The devil does not make us do anything. We have free will. I'm not saying that we can shirk our responsibility and blame it all on the devil. You can't. You cannot blame everything on the devil and you cannot blame everything on God. It's, you, those are the two ditches and you want to yeah. stay out of the ditch. One ditch is to blame the devil for everything. The other ditch is to blame God for everything. But neither one of them is right. We have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And our responsibility is to act and think according to the, the scroll of our destiny that God has planned mm-hmm. for us. In eternity, we have to get some revelation about our identity, who we are as his child, about our destiny, about what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be going, who we're supposed to connect with. We have to get that revelation. And that has to be the thing that we live from every day. So when these spirits come around and they try to bring us into fear or suicide or depression, or lust, or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a thousand different spirits, and they all have a different agenda. Here's what I see going on. So let's say you get some bad news, and the spirit of fear comes knocking on your door, mm-hmm. and you submit to that spirit, and you let it come in. It, it is literally almost like a, someone knocking on your door, a salesman knocking on the door, and you open the door and let him in. So the spirit of fear, you've just let the spirit of fear into your home and that spirit goes walking around and is starts to make a mess of your life, uh, is pulling out all your pots and pans and throwing them in the air and throwing them on the floor and goes in and messes up your bedroom. And now your life is becoming a mess because you have entertained, willingly allowed a spirit of fear to come into your life. And now you have all these thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry about things because you let this thing come in. Now, you're going to send a prayer request or you're going to go see your pastor or you're going to go see some evangelist or someone. They're going to say, would you please get rid of this 
pray for me. I'm, I'm fearful. I have anxiety, I have whatever. Could you please get rid of this. So that person prays for you and they discern a spirit of fear and they command it to leave and it leaves. And you think, oh gosh, I feel so much better. I feel the glory. I feel God, mm-hmm. something lifted off of me. The spirit's gone. Great. So let me read to you from Luke 11 what happens when that spirit leaves. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter the, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Ugh. Okay? Yeah. This is what I see going on with people. You entertain one spirit, whether it's a spirit of pain or a spirit of fear or a spirit of depression or suicide. This thing comes knocking and you think, oh, wow, my knee is just killing me. Where did that pain come from? I see so many people that have this. Like, they're fine. They didn't injure themselves and whammo, they got back pain. They have neck pain. They've got a headache. They've got Mm -hmm. pain somewhere and it's moving around their body a lot of times. Sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of times it does. When pain moves around in your body, it's a spirit. It's a spirit of pain. And you need to get rid of that thing and just rebuke it and do not let it stay there. So when the spirit comes and you go to someone and say, hey, can you get rid of this? Can you pray for me? Most people don't understand that it's a spirit. Mm, yeah. They don't ask for deliverance. No. They're thinking, I have some physical they just condition want of I physical want healing thing. of. Mm-hmm. A discerning person will realize that's a spirit that needs to go. Mm-hmm. You get rid of it. Okay, fine. Then it comes back. How's it going to stay gone? How is it going to stay gone? Because when it comes back the next night or the next day or two days later, what are you going to do to prevent that thing from coming back in? You mm-hmm. allowed it in the first time. You have not locked your windows. You have not locked your doors. Your garage door is wide open. And that <laughs> thing is going to come knocking and you're going to let it in again. And it's going to come in, and this time it's going to bring another spirit. Oh, this time I don't just have headaches. I've got GI problems. i got diarrhea every day, vision problems, or I've got depression, or now I have these suicidal thoughts. And Then you're just spiraling into more and more <laughs> so fear you go, and worry. So you go ahead and have somebody pray over you, and maybe they get rid of one or two, but then they come back. And next time you've got cancer, or the next time you've got asthma or the next time you've got um, rheumatoid arthritis it just keeps getting worse and worse it's a spiraling thing because every time one of those spirits gets kicked out or and leaves and you think you're okay if you do not batten down the hatches if you do not lock the doors and windows and secure yourself and learn how to resist Mm -hmm. those spirits they're going to come in and they're going to continue to beat you up and that's what I see. I see that happening a lot with a lot of people. Yeah, they have to learn how to say no to it. You, you can't rely on your pastor or the man of God or the woman of God to keep praying over you and keep getting you healed and set free of all this junk. You have to learn how to do it yourself. I cannot go around to everybody else's house and neighborhood and make sure their doors are locked and their windows are closed. Mm-hmm. It's not my responsibility to go and remove the criminals from everybody else's house in my neighborhood. (laughs) That's not my responsibility. That's their responsibility. Yeah. And my responsibility is to secure my house and make sure my family is safe. Yeah. And I think, you know, we just haven't been taught this very well. I mean, 
We haven't been taught this at all in some churches, in most churches. They're lo- you're lucky if you get taught about healing at all, let well, alone what causes you know, things. For lack of knowledge, My God's people, people perish. perish. Yeah. And we don't understand. We don't have wisdom. We don't understand what's, what the dynamics are of these issues. Um, we leave ourselves wide open for attack. And when we do get attacked, we go run to the man of God and ask them to bail us out instead of learning how to resist this junk ourselves and learning. It, it, it really does come through training and, and uh, equipping and learning how to discern uh, the presence of demons, learning how to kick them out, and learning how to safeguard yourself against them. Yeah, and did you want to talk about the deeper aspects of that? Like fragments and altars altars we could because healing yeah because because um, that's something that a lot of people don't recognize as well i mean if if something won't go or it keeps coming back or there are triggers that cause if you see repeating patterns of behavior and patterns of sickness you need to recognize the pattern and ask the holy spirit or, or jesus what the heck is going on and in most cases, I, I think everybody needs emotional healing, period. Mm-hmm, I do too. End of discussion. I mean, even the most anointed, most powerful people who seem to have it all together, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if you spend a, a weekend with them and go through their closet, you will find some stuff that they need to be uh, healed of emotionally. We mm-hmm. all have emotional trauma. Yeah, we all have some sort of wounds from our past and, and things that happen on a weekly basis, you know, can wound you. Right. If you're not, even if you, even if you did not have any emotional trauma up until a month ago, you had the most beautiful childhood of anyone ever. No one ever hurt your feelings. Right. No one ever hurt you physically. If you were raised in a paradise Island, completely away (laughs) from every other human being, maybe you have a chance of not having emotional trauma. You still can have something that happens tomorrow that, totally traumatizes you. Right. I mean, emotional trauma tends to happen more to children because children don't have the ability to reason. They don't have the life experience Mm -hmm. to put things in perspective. And so little tiny events that seem stupid or even something someone says to them. Yeah. Little things. Yeah. Whether it's Mm -hmm. something someone says or whether it's, uh, you know, time to get a haircut and this is, you know, a traumatic thing or Mm -hmm. going near the water because you felt like you were going to drown, whatever it is, children are very susceptible to emotional trauma. The younger you are, the more susceptible you are. As you get older, you get less susceptible, but still there's a lot of trauma that happens in the teenage years, especially, you know, once uh, you start factoring in things like sexual abuse and, mm-hmm. and relationships that, in general. Yeah, can, relationships with parents or whatever. There's still a lot of opportunity for emotional trauma to happen as a teenager and, and even into adult years. Yeah, I mean, if you have a a horrendous car accident and people around you die, that's traumatic. Yeah. And that can yeah. happen to you at any age. Uh, loss of a job that you really, really liked the job. Loss of uh, family members, mm-hmm. um, sudden death. Those things can all cause emotional trauma. What happens with emotional trauma is you end up with these uh, basically what are called fragments and altars. A fragment is usually defined as a small part of your soul that is responsible for the, the memories and the emotions of a particular traumatic event. 
what happens to some people is they'll actually have amnesia about that event. They won't remember it and they won't remember the emotions uh, because the fragment is actually holding on to them. And until the fragment comes up and is in control of the personality, it's the only time that the uh, memories or the emotions are active. And that seldom, that doesn't usually happen unless there's a event that's similar to it that triggers that fragment to come up. Mm -hmm. um, alters are similar to fragments, but alters can actually have their own personality. People who have dissociative identity disorder, what used to be called multiple personality disorder, they have alters. They have separate personalities. Most of them have names. They have their own preferences, likes, dislikes. Uh, the core of a person could be a Christian and they can have altars that are Wiccans and pagans and atheists and or don't yeah or have no right. no spiritual no connection of God at all. The core of the personality can be left-handed, and an altar can be right-handed. Mm -hmm. um, I have heard of altars that are a different gender than the core of the personality. I wish there were more people operating in um, inner healing of fragments and things we, like this we because are getting we there. get a lot of requests for oh, this and yeah. we don't we don't really do that on an ongoing basis we have a lot of irons in the fire i guess but it's something sometimes that requires really working with the person weekly it does it's um, the kind of healing that you can't be done in five minutes it doesn't necessarily take uh, through, years through, through of counseling and yeah. all that. It doesn't take years of counseling. It it can take years of sessions. Like Steve Harmon mm -hmm. has worked with people for the course of year year and a half, two years. When Jesus sent out his disciples, and this is a key thing about the ministry of healing that a lot of people do not want to get real about. And it's something that Steve has figured out mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, which is why he doesn't do street healing anymore. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out into the villages and he told them to live in the homes of the people <laughs> yeah. and disciple them mm -hmm. and teach them about the kingdom, teach them about the realities of God, you know, demons and teach them about sickness and their responsibilities and teach them about their authority and their identity. That is something we're not doing. That is the main thing we're not doing. The reason why people stayed healed <laughs> in the first century when the disciples went out and, uh, and healed them is because the disciples of Jesus were making disciples of the people they were getting healed. Mm -hmm. See, when I get a prayer request from somebody, I can't disciple them. I can't spend three or four days with them, teaching them about their identity and their responsibilities and God's nature and healing and demons. I can't do that. I have 50 more emails I have to get to, and I can't disciple them. So I can pray for them, and they might get healed, but it yeah. might come back because if you are not being discipled, if you're not being trained and equipped, if you're not being taught your identity, if you're not being taught the realities of the kingdom, you're not being discipled. It is very, very difficult for those people to make any progress with their healing. It's going to come back, especially if they have emotional trauma. 
they have emotional trauma. You can pray over them all you want. You can do deliverance all you want. You'll get rid of the demons, but they're going to come back. It'll be temporary, yeah. And one of the things, I guess if we just make people aware, and you know, some people are not aware at all of this, but other people are, so I'm not, not speaking to everyone, but once you become aware, then if you don't have someone around you who can disciple you in this way, then it's kind of up to you to look for that information yourself. Yeah. Find it in books. Find it, you YouTube. know, go to a conference. Uh, you know, Podcasts. be discipled in a group. Yeah. Right. Um, Home groups. Right. Webinars. I don't know uh, how much of that is going on, but hopefully, you know, you'll be doing some of that stuff that you can reach I, more people I will be. individually. But I will be. Um, it, it's, it, it's kind of up to you. If you don't have a person close to you that can really spend that kind of time with you, discipling you in the right ways, then find another, find a source. When John Lake was doing his healing rooms ministry in mm-hmm. Spokane, he trained up people mm-hmm. in healing and deliverance and he sent them out into the community and they would go and they would live with people and they would teach them the Bible. He, they would teach them about the kingdom, teach them about healing and deliverance and they would go and get people healed and they would stay healed mm-hmm. because they were doing the discipling. Just praying over people. And this is something that I, I don't want to be too negative, but right. there are so many people out there now who think it's just a kick in the pants to go and do street healing. Go to Walmart, get a bunch of people healed. Post a YouTube videos, post them on Facebook. Hey, we got some people healed. Well, I have some bad news for you. A lot of those people that you just got healed are going to have the the afflictions come back because they're not being discipled, which is why I don't do drive-by healings anymore. I mean, it's it's okay to do that, but you have to give the person some understanding of the kingdom. You have to give them uh, some understanding about what it takes to keep their healing. Yeah. You have to give them a Even a just little, a short... The last <laughs> times I've prayed with people, I'm like, I'm not even going to do this unless I have 15 minutes so we can sit down and I can t- teach you some stuff. How to, how to keep it gone, yeah. How to keep it gone and give you some, you know, here's some information, go to my website, check out some articles. Because people have to, they have to be discipled. It's not enough just to get people healed. Yeah, there's an education that needs to happen for sure. You're, you're not a whole complete person unless you're being discipled, unless you're being trained and equipped, unless uh, you're being connected to other believers who can teach you the stuff that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the big areas where we're falling down. It's it's not enough to go to a, a church meeting once a week and go listen to some guy speak for 45 minutes. That is not being discipled. Mm-hmm. That is going listening to a lecture. Being discipled is a daily thing, which is why I, I'm so active on Facebook. Because as much as I like discipling other people, I need to be discipled myself. Yeah, I need to learn from other people. And that's how I do it. You're you're the interactive type. I am. I like to read books. <laughs> well, you're. you're I little, mean, you're a you know, bookworm. and go to the source. You know, go to God. Learn and how go to, to the hear Holy God's Spirit. voice. He's the best teacher. Right. Um, I find myself listening to fewer podcasts and YouTube videos, and I'm spending a lot more time trying to learn from the Holy Spirit, taking mm-hmm. the dreams that I get and the visions, and asking Him, "What does this stuff mean? What am I supposed to learn from this?" Yeah. 
Because then it's personalized. And what is the key to my healing? Because everyone has different roadblocks, I would say. If they aren't getting healed, there's something there that needs to be discovered. If you've received prayer from dozens of people or hundreds of people, there is a roadblock. Especially if the people that are praying for you have a good are track record. Equipped, yeah. If you've gone to Bethel and you've gone to Morningstar and you've gone to IHOP and had some good people pray over you who have a good track record and you're still not healed, there is something in the way. There's probably it's probably just probably, a deeper emotional <clears throat> thing. Pro- yeah, it's probably emotional trauma. It's probably uh, alters and fragments that need to be integrated and healed that is keeping everything uh, messed up. Yeah, and, and we are not... Uh, immune to this, you know, I, I still have some physical issues that I have not been and, able to get healed and, yet. And I get triggered once in a while. I still have, I think, some yeah, fragments so and alters that need to be healed. No one is uh, probably totally free of this all the time. If you're not walking in the kind of freedom and power and authority that Jesus walked in, you're probably still in need of some degree of deliverance, <laughs> emotional healing, and discipling. So we all have a little work to do. <laughs> because once you get to that point in your life, hey, you, you're, you're doing it. You're the man then. Yeah. Until that time, you're a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And it's time to get to work. It is. So don't sit around waiting for God to sovereignly remove all of your issues. It's not going to happen. Yeah, dig in and find out what it is. Find out what it is Yeah. that fi- you need to do. Find out what it is. What's your part in it? Um, identify the areas of your life where the enemy has kind of owned you, whether it's uh, pride or lust or addiction or anger or, or fear. fear. There are as many ways that the enemy can work his way into our life as there are blades of grass in our backyard. Yeah. What we need to do is just pour a lot of concrete out there and get rid of all the grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're thinking about that. Coming soon. I think that's a wrap on this one, baby. Okay. You've been a really good co-host. <laughs> I didn't even know what we were doing until we sat down. Well, that's you know, right. sometimes it's good to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Just talk. And just talk. And now we should go lay on the lounge chairs in the backyard and soak up some sun. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. We will catch you. We love you. We love you, and we will catch you on uh, the next podcast. Praying Medic and his wife signing off. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about this show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A D M I N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.